0: Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Oh, welcome back, you beautiful listeners. To the Paused Reviews Podcast, I'm your host, Frank, joined on this glorious adventure by my knowledgeable yet inquisitive co-host, Tim. Tim, thanks for being here, buddy.
1: Thanks for the very nice uh, introduction.
0: Hey, man. I appreciate that. Listen, (laughs) uh, let's get started. And I want to get started with a quick reminder. This week is the first week of our new split episode format. We talked a bit about it last time. Um, So rather than trying to cram everything into one two-hour episode, uh, we're going to split it up into two two two-hour episodes. So. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Ideally, uh, we're going to keep our episodes to about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And the goal here is that on the first and third episode of each month, or the odd weeks for those sneaky, weird, long months, uh, Mm -hmm. we'll bring you a deep dive analysis slash review of a single film. That's basically what we've been doing on the second half of every episode. Then on the even weeks of each month, we'll bring you what we are now calling our paused rewind episode. And this being an even week is what you're getting this time. In these, we will review what we've been streaming the past two weeks, mostly trending content on the major streaming platforms, but it'll vary a bit. Any movie and TV related news from the past two weeks, any errors and omissions from the previous review episodes, and of course, our favorite, your listener questions and requests. So we hope you enjoy the new format and that it makes consuming this content easier, more enjoyable. And uh, yeah, with that, let's not waste any more time. Jump right in and let's get started with this week's news. Tim, are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Yeah, you sound ready. Big news in this week. There was. Good stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I'm kind of excited
0: about... Well, I'm not excited about all of it, but it was exciting to ponder all of yeah. this news, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, we've got to oil the gears a little bit in the brains every once in a while. So any news uh, is good news to kind of chew through and talk about how you're feeling, because it just helps delineate some things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Then jumping in, um, big news from about two weeks ago, We we were chatting about it last week, but you know, we ended up having to save it for this one. It is announced that Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus on July 3rd, 2020, nearly 18 months ahead of the original theatrical release schedule. This is massive, massive news for a couple of reasons. Number one, advancing the release schedule for this by so much. It's almost, I don't know, for me, it was hard to understand fully just because this wasn't a situation where it needed to get moved, right? Like, we, we've we seen a right. lot get pushed. We've seen a lot either get pushed till later dates or be released digitally because no one can go to the theater. But this being slated for so far out, like Disney could have very easily just sat on this and, and waited to see how things play out if the theater going experience bounces back once COVID is under control. And it, as you get closer, if nothing is changing or, or whatever the situation is, You can pull the trigger then and do like what you did with Onward and and so many other things. But instead, Disney shows why they continue to be the best. And I feel like they're doing it because it's like, hey, you guys need to pick me up. So instead of sitting on this for another year and a half, we're just going to give it to you now. And by the way, practically for free for the cost of a Disney Plus subscription, which is nothing. I mean, that's bananas.
1: It's also really interesting to me because... At least in regards to Hamilton, there's more at play than just Disney releasing a movie, or a, you know, a, a, a theatrical version of a staged play. This show is still on tour around the country. It was right, you know, it was slated to come back to DC this summer. Like it, it was going to be at the Kennedy Center for a massively long run, starting in June and ending in middle to late September. Mm. And that's the second time within two-ish years that it's come for a considerably long time and so this this show is still touring on stages everywhere so it's not just a matter of like let's push this out it's you know i I think you'd have to take into consideration like are you you know are you undercutting some tour money but to that point you these tours are all canceled like they you know and now some of them can't be rescheduled for 18 months to two years because theater is planned so far in advance and tours plan so far in advance. So if you were planning to see it at DC sometime over the next coming months, you might have lost your chance for a couple of years, not just, you know, it's not like we'll, we'll find a, an empty spot. you got to find 17 weeks to fit this back in. So there's all this other stuff related to that. And I've been wondering in my my head about, and I've talked about this with my wife. She works at the Kennedy Center. What does this do for a tour? If you were on the fence, do you like, ah, buy Disney Plus and I'm cool? Or does this hype you up? And so when you when the tour comes and you really want to see it live, there's other angles to this that are really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think when it
0: comes to theater especially, there's there's a lot to be said. I mean, for example, Phantom of the Opera is my jam. Yeah. I, I would watch it all day, early day. It's the first play I ever saw in a theater live. My parents took me to the Kennedy Center. We got like a box, and I forget how old I was. I just remember being jaw dropped like yeah i've never seen anything like it the stage becomes water and 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 it's just it's crazy and i own phantom of the opera the the movie release and I, I watch it regularly but anytime phantom comes to dc i will watch it when we lived outside philly it came there was a uh a production of it that came to philly and for my birthday my wife bought tickets I will go every time. There's, It's never the same as seeing right. it live. And so, you know, I, I don't think it necessarily undercuts. I am surprised, though, because, I mean, when it was made abundantly clear, I was never going to get to see Hamilton live. <laughs> I was immediately like, when will this be released so that I yeah. can watch it, you know, as a, as a film adaptation or as, um, you know, like the filming of the live production cut together as a feature whatever the situation may be when is this happening and Lin-Manuel was pretty vocal about the fact that like he refused to undercut the tale of the theatrical runs and that it would be like 20 years before this was ever released in a film version and so on and so forth then all of a sudden it's announced that we're getting it in 2021 and it hasn't been 20 years and now it's announced that we're getting it now and so, yeah. it's just, I mean, its I, I, I don't necessarily understand, but at the same time, I don't care to understand. It's like one of those mm-hmm. situations where it's like, hey man, don't hate the gift, you know? Yeah. God forbid they realize that it's like, wait, are we doing this? Maybe we shouldn't release it? Not that that would happen at this point, obviously. You know, once Disney's involved, you're doing what Disney wants. Um with that being said there is i, I mean I, again I'm crazy excited to watch this and to have it come to Disney Plus is is amazing there's a lot of concern though that Disney mm-hmm. Plus being the family focused platform and and Disney has has kicked a lot of products over to Hulu and, and other platforms um because they've been deemed mature whatever the situation may be there's a lot of people concerned that because of language and and sexuality, the suggested, um, you know, affairs and the implied sex and all this other kind of stuff that might be in the show. Again, I haven't seen the show. I don't know how gratuitous or or whatever that might be. Obviously, there's some language, but they're concerned that for these reasons, it's either gonna that it might be censored, right? So if it's coming to Disney mm. Plus, that they're gonna censor it, and, and everyone's kind of using this, uh, this backing of what they did with Splash, right? So right. they censored Splash to take out a butt and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. This this doesn't really concern me. I mean, before I kind of get into the reasons why I think it's okay, what are your thoughts on it, Tim? Is this a concern you share or not so much?
1: I mean there's a little bit of I mean, you mentioned it, you know, Disney's kicking off some of that stuff. I mean Everybody was really confused when they, you know, absorbed, you know, Fox and they've got the Simpsons. And it's like, where does that go? And the Simpsons are on Disney Plus. So, again, though, Disney Plus is going to appeal to a broad range of people. I mean, you've got all of the stuff going back, dating back to the 50s, you know, and earlier. And we've touched on some of this stuff before. Some of the, the things are, but, you know, our, questionable there's stuff in davy crockett king of the wild frontier with fess parker that's like oh you know it's a little weird um swiss family robinson there's some really bad (laughs) stuff in terms of like animal cruelty and um the asian pirates are like some of them are clearly guys in really bad makeup and then you've got peter pan the original peter pan got a whole has a whole musical number about you know why is the red man red so like that is true it's, it's tough. And I did notice, actually, scrolling through, a lot of this stuff has warnings on it that says, like, we, like, we acknowledge that there is, you know, outdated stereotypical portrayals in these movies. So I don't think they're going to do themselves any favors by cutting it. I think this day and age, though, if you're letting kids watch Disney Plus, I mean, anything, if you're letting your kids have access to any streaming site unsupervised, then they're either at an age where you're okay with that, or you probably should be supervising. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to judge people's parenting, but it's, you have to have a little bit of control over it. So I feel like, you know, they can't censor everything it's got to be left up to the user at some point right
0: yeah no for absolutely and and i think and i I can kind of see both ways and and i've given this some thought right i think exactly like you were talking about there is already content on there that's got some sketchiness to it you know simpsons yeah it's on there but they're not humans they're or they're like yellow cartoons you know i've thought a lot about avatar right And, and i thought about this mainly because we were considering letting my son watch it but before we did that we watched it first it's like what are we not remembering and there's some pretty substantial language in it like they drop all of them except the f-bomb right and and it's uncensored and it's there and it's fine you know uh, well i mean it's fine according to their standards and so I'm not concerned about the language in Hamilton because I feel like it's the same. Yeah. There's language. They drop pretty much everything but the F bomb. So yeah. now then there's, you know, the, the suggestive sex and, and that kind of those themes of the story. And, and again, you know, yeah, there's implied stuff in avatar and a few other things, but like avatar, they're not humans. And when it was a human, but they removed it. Right. I, but again, I just, I just think it's the history. And I think yeah. that's how you look at it. So, so I guess I say all of it to to sort of say that I can see where the concern comes in. Now, Lin Manuel mm-hmm. has said that there are no plans to edit, censor, or change the content in any way. And I feel like I feel like he wouldn't say that if it weren't actually true. He would dodge the question or say, "Yeah, we were going to change X, Y, and Z." it's not overly important anyway. And again, I I think it's just the history is worth telling. It's all pertinent and and necessary. And and I'm sure it's done in a way that, you know, is like considering other content that they have on there already. I don't think it's anything overly drastic. So yeah, I mean, I think I'm excited about it and I'm not overly concerned. And I feel like Maybe that's how most of us should feel. But again, I, I understand where people are coming from. It's, it's definitely an interesting situation
1: when- Yeah, I think, I think if you rest on the fact that Lin-Manuel pretty much doing them a huge favor. I mean, based on everything we said before, you know, he's been adamant about letting this have its, its theatrical theater release run and maintaining that integrity. And that coupled that with his working relationship with Disney that, has, you know, evolved from his time with Moana and and that kind of stuff. And Mary Poppins. Yeah, getting on the ground floor of of that relationship with Moana and then into Mary Poppins. It's like I feel like he holds a little bit of weight with Disney and that Mm -hmm. like I think there's some there's gotta be a mutual respect there for them, you know, for him to believe that this is the right thing for that product and that he wouldn't be knowing his style and, and he wouldn't be doing anything that would compromise what he wants to see and yeah I think you sort of just gotta trust in that
0: no i absolutely agree and it's true it's not like he's in a situation where he's got to bring this to disney he's doing yep. just fine and right. hamilton's doing just fine all right so the next the next bit of news this i mean this was interesting to me and i'm gonna yeah. just force feed this to everybody because <laughs> totally. i know so many people don't care but but this has been a long-going battle. Uh, not a battle, just just this really annoying chant in the background. And, and being a fan as much as I am, I haven't fully understood it myself, but here we go. So this past week, HBO Max announces, or HBO, Warner Brothers announces that on HBO Max in 2021, they will be releasing the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League film that originally came out in 2017. I guess my question is, do we really want this? And so I'm going to give a little bit of background just, you know, for, for the uninitiated. Um, here's, here's
1: essentially, a- <laughs> essentially, this is me. This is all for me. So, Y'all can come back in 15 minutes.
0: <laughs> you're not alone, bro. So, uh, okay, here's here's a quick history. Number one, who is Zack Snyder? So Zack Snyder, if you don't know, he's a director, writer, producer. I- I'd say he's a director before anything else. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the stuff he's done, he's obviously famous for uh, directing 300 uh the watchman sucker punch man of steel batman v superman dawn of justice and the aforementioned justice league right so these are sort of all the most recent movies he's done What ends up happening is in 2012 it's announced he's given the helm for the Superman reboot. So he's brought in to direct Man of Steel, uh, which releases in 2013. This film is a massive success, right? Despite some criticism from comic book fans. Off of the heels of this success, and this is all happening after the Dark Knight trilogy. So Mm. what's next, right? And how do we sort of keep this momentum going? And... Also, keeping in mind, the Dark Knight trilogy is is finishing up as Iron Man and the Marvel series is starting to kick off, right? right. So, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy has already begun when we see Iron Man come out, A- and so Marvel is slowly building this what would become this immense cinematic universe. So, DC is already sitting on their heels because. They're already entrenched in this trilogy and don't really know what to do next, right? So they immediately start to, to try to answer this. Uh, off the heels of the success of Man of Steel, rather than just doing a sequel or whatever you would normally do, you know, Marvel's kind of forcing their hand and so they go ahead and greenlight um, the Justice League. And so rather than doing a sequel to Man of Steel, how do we kick off the Justice League? So that is when they follow it up with Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice. This movie brings Batman into the fold. They cast Ben Affleck, which is laughable at first. Turns out to be the greatest thing they ever did. He's amazing as Batman. And it also starts to introduce the rest of the, the Justice League. So you get Wonder Woman, Cyborg, The Flash. Everyone's kind of introduced in this. And essentially, they're trying to pull off the impossible. like Marvel over years of time is building up this universe, and DC's trying to do it in a movie. It's already the weaker for it. It's a huge, huge lift. We're not going to debate whether or not Man of St- or you know Batman V Superman was good or not. The only thing that's important is it's another commercial success for DC. So so far the the, the wheels haven't totally fallen off, and we're still sort of heading in the right direction, right? Everything's good to go. The next installment hits, and so in 2017, we get the Justice League. And it is released with already the announcement that part two is is right on the heels, right? And the issue is, and it's not an issue, but what ends up happening is... So, so Zack Snyder helms all of these films. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and now Justice League. And during production of Justice League, he ends up just getting totally sideswiped him and his wife deborah who's also producer of the film they're just totally blindsided by this horrific family tragedy and it's just awful so he obviously leaves the production and dc is obviously left floundering but you know you gotta take care of family right and so Mm -hmm. dc immediately warner brothers and dc bring in joss whedon to oversee the film's completion and release now, they had they spend millions and millions of dollars on reshoots and retooling the story because when Scott, when Zack Snyder uh, leaves the film, he had turned in a four-hour cut of his vision of this movie. Now, it is said that he had also delivered a cut-down, a trimmed-down two-and-a-half-hour version, but that it still needed a lot of work. But clearly his vision for this was totally different and crazy long, right? Now they cut it down, they reshoot everything, they retool the story, Joss Whedon finishes it up, they release it, and it's absolutely abysmal. This movie is garbage. It's just a trash fire of epic proportions. It's a huge commercial flop, and and it and it leads to like everything just falling off the rails. Justice League over. Ben Affleck out as Batman by his choice. But it just like the feedback, everything, he's out. Warner Brothers cuts ties with Henry Cavill, like, in the most awkward way, like, just ghosting him, basically. It's, it's crazy. And then they decide to switch gears and focus on standalone features, and that's when we get Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Joker, which are all huge successes, right? So it seems like the smart play. You were never going to catch Marvel. It was stupid to even try. You should have just stayed with what works, like, just stay in your groove. So... Immediately after all of this and immediately after this catastrophic failure, the world starts calling for the Snyder Cut right? And so the hashtag is born, release the Snyder Cut. And dude, this goes on for years. I mean, the stars get into it. Like, Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, even Ben Affleck are like, dude, his cut is epic. Like, his vision for this movie was amazing. You didn't see it at all. Like, what you saw is nothing compared to what he had coming for you. And so, of course, everyone is like, well, let's see it, right? So years have gone by since all of this. And so finally the president of Warner Brothers just reaches out to Zack Snyder and is like this thing is real man what would it take for you to do this and Zack Snyder is on board like right away so he announces that they're going to do it Warner Brothers is giving him another 20 to 30 million to complete his vision they brought back his entire post production crew there's even talk that there might be reshoots with some of the actors just the whole like they're basically throwing a pretty reasonably budgeted like successful comedy like at this movie yeah. to to finish it up again i mean you can you can make a really good movie for 30 million dollars that's just what they're doing as like cleanup money that's and crazy. so there's just so there's a, anyways there's a lot going on there's a, there's talk that the movie is either going to be the original 4 hour cut as a full length feature or it's gonna be released as like a six-part miniseries, kind of what they did with like the retooling of Hateful Eight and that kind of stuff on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I guess here's my thing. Uh, there's a lot of things you can fix, right? The the big bad in the movie is Steppenwolf. He looked like absolute trash. He looked worse than most of the video games I play. Like <laughs> Lego Batman looks better. I'm sure you can clean up stuff like that. Like if we can fix Sonic, we can fix Steppenwolf, right? <laughs> but the big problem here is this movie was a rush job from the beginning. And yeah. you see the signs of that already in Batman v Superman. The train is already heading off the rails. This movie didn't kill it. This, this was heading that way. And I just don't see how any amount of money can fix that. Unless what you're willing to throw at it is 250 million per yeah. movie over the course of 20 movies and like building this massive universe. So I guess I don't see the point I mean, I'm as curious as the next person, I guess. Sure. But you're not gonna. This doesn't fix anything, and I just don't know if it's worth it.
1: I mean, my question is: is there, is there any precedent for so this something happening? Of this, yeah.
0: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I will say this: it's. It's certainly not. I mean, there's been a lot of times, right, where fans have signed petitions and. Co- I mean, we saw that happen sure. with Game of Thrones, like right. reshoot right. season eight. You guys ruined the series, but and HBO is like, we're not reshooting they anything. It,
1: they, they did it to Disney in the Last Jedi too, like yeah, right. yeah, the Last Jedi. They like wanted people to. Uh, trash it and then that and then with the rise of skywalker too they keep there's petitions because people keep getting ryan johnson's ryan johnson's uh pre-production stills and sketches and stuff mm. and they're like this is a better movie and they've been petitioning to move into that too so it's like
0: yeah it's now that's interesting because that would be a similar situation i think where game of thrones is different and everyone was all pissed off and up in arms it's like the same crew did this Right, Right. like we didn't change the producers, we didn't change anything. This is the vision that these that this production team has had in mind from day whatever, right? Right, day one of when they ran out of source material, which was season five, and so. You know, I think that's a different context, but you're absolutely right. In, in a situation where they get rid of or the original visionary leaves the production, and then you're mm-hmm. sort of cleaning it up with you know, especially the Last Jedi, they I mean, they brought I feel like they brought in everybody, you know. Yeah, I mean, was, they, did,
1: they did it too with um, with the solo movie, and they brought in Ron Howard to, Ron Howard. to finish yeah, that. yeah, exactly. So, it so then I guess that also begs the question then, has Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon, like weighed in on this idea
0: now i will say this he's uncredited and and he's always said that this was zack snyder's thing like he yes he came in he he had to finish it and he did the best i think what he did was i did the best with what i had and Mm -hmm. what i was told right like i'm sure he walked in and was like dude we're not releasing a four-hour movie although to be fair Avengers Endgame comes out at like three hours and change and Disney doesn't bat an eye I mean they expressed some concern but it tested well but the point is you know Warner Brothers is like we're not releasing a four hour movie give me a two hour movie here's what we have figure it out you know and, I, you know, I don't think Joss Whedon is to blame. I think it's yeah, just no, sure. the situation he walked into. But he's not credited as the director. It's still the credits are, you know, it's a Zack Snyder film. It's directed by Zack Snyder, like the whole, the whole thing. Now, Joss Whedon is, I think, listed as maybe a writer and a producer. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter. The point is, what's wrong with this movie is not Joss Whedon's fault. And what's wrong right. with these movies isn't even Zack Snyder's fault. I loved Man of Steel. I loved it. I even mm-hmm. liked Batman v Superman. But like I said, it already was too crowded. And it yeah. just had no cohesion and, and nothing to sort of, I couldn't buy into just one thing and then see the clever tie-ins like Marvel did. And that's where you've gone wrong, is you tried too hard to catch a beast just out the gate instead of just putting in the work and putting in the time. And and so, you, again, it doesn't matter how many Zack Snyder's you bring in, and it doesn't matter how much money you throw at them, you can't fix it. So I just don't see why we need to even do this. Because all we're going to end up with is maybe a slightly less horrific trash fire. But sure. at the end of the day, the bones are still weak. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
1: What I'm hearing you say is pretty much the problem with any other franchise or you know um property that has tried to go this route i mean disney's run into the same thing with star wars they their best star wars content has been unrelated or tangentially related tangentially related to the original trilogy Mm -hmm. so the mandalorian i mean practically unrelated and every it's it's in this you know wasteland between the original trilogy and the new the new trilogy Mm -hmm. um and rogue one is leads up to the events of a new hope but it doesn't start anybody there's a brief princess leia cameo just to kind of set it in time but they were trying to do the same thing and dude and the most
0: epic vader scene ever
1: yeah right (laughs) Um, (laughs) which was an afterthought Exactly. Um, but, they, you know, they tried to do the same thing. They're like, OK, we're going to build this out. and We're going to do a Han Solo movie. And I like Solo. It was fine. Yeah, it was you're fun. You're trying to you're fit too many pieces in there. Right. And, right. Um, you know, what Marvel did well was, at least from my fairly uneducated um, point of view, is they pulled on more minor ish characters to build that that universe out like they didn't start with like you know iron man was you know people know iron man but he wasn't like your grade a marvel superheroes is is the way i've understood things and so you kind of set that up differently than you would by saying like you know you you mentioned people had issues with you know um some of the the superman stuff like well yeah i mean that's the same reason people had issues with the star wars stuff it's when you're trying to play on years and years of canon and accepted you know people's vision for what should or what they believe happens. just you run into so much trouble. Yeah, um, and I think you're right. no matter how much you reshoot this movie, it, it probably it's not gonna fix anything. <laughs>
0: no 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 no. it's the dna is busted like it just it is what it is that was thank you thank you all for indulging me Uh, this has just been weighing on my mind i know no one cares but me but it means a lot i appreciate you guys the last bit of news you know and this is kind of big so i i've talked a couple of times on this show about john krasinski and his uh internet show some good news where through this whole pandemic time, he has been just really focusing on positive stories and trying to help people and and bringing people together. Like he brought the cast of Hamilton together to sing for a girl who, who couldn't go see the show which like she was supposed to. And he brought all the, the people of the office together for uh, a wedding of a couple who proposed in a way, in the same way Jim proposed to Pam on the show. You know, so he's, and, and of course, like giving... You know, first line medical workers, you know, like season tickets to the Red Sox and and just all kinds of really cool stuff. So this ran for about, I don't know, seven, eight weeks or so. He He did a couple episodes and pretty much had his farewell episode a week or so ago. And since then, he has actually sold some good news to Viacom CBS after a massive bidding war. I guess, you know, this makes sense in the sense that he has a relationship with Viacom CBS from, mm-hmm. you know, his portrayal of Jack Ryan on Amazon to uh, the Quiet Place, which is a Paramount Productions. And they're, you know, the studio that works for them. So I guess the plan for now, so now CBS, Viacom CBS has a, has as a, has a gotten the license for the show and their plan is that the first window of new episodes will be behind a paywall and be aired on cbs all access which is going to go through a rebranding this summer apparently now it may later move to other platforms for a second window but that's been fairly undecided and also at that point who cares like you know second run tv show like that's you know like a show like this where it's it's timely pieces about things that are happening now and people we're helping now. Like, do I care three months from now? Like when it's over about, you know, a nurse that you helped three months ago that everyone's already been talking about and I already read about it on the internet. Like, you see what I'm saying? It's a weird weird dynamic, but whatever. A lot of people are upset about this. Uh, No one more so than my wife. She literally won't even (laughs) let me talk to her about it. Like, no joke. You know, what bothered me the most in reading all of this is a quote that John Krasinski posted, and it was, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a tweet or whatever the situation was, but he wrote, could not be more excited and proud to be partnering with CBS Viacom to bring some good news to so many more people, dude. You're not bringing it to more people. You are bringing it to substantially less people. You're bringing it to the people who pay for CBS All Access, which are three people. And uh, this was fully free on YouTube for the world to see. How can yeah. you say I'm excited to bring this to more people? That was enraging to me. More than the sale and everything else, whatever. That legitly like... Just, it just really upset me. Um, yeah. The truth is, I mean, it does make sense, right? Like, you know, John Krasinski was self financing the show. I feel like with the backing of CBS, it's going to put a lot more money behind the show. They're going to be able to do more for more people. It can be like the next Ellen. Oprah just lavishing gifts upon people. Like, great. I get it, right? The other thing, too, is Krasinski was never going to do this forever. He was never going to host this show forever. He was never going to host this show again. So, his run was always meant to be a short lived thing. I guess it makes sense to sell it to a big studio and let them keep the show alive. You know, so I posed a question to everyone, right? Is it better to have some version of it than not at all? You know, I mean, after all, it being on the shelf helps nobody. And we got a few responses, so I'll I'll read a couple off right now. Let's see here. Okay, at Allison Alonzi, she writes, I was disappointed to hear this. I way prefer this to be a thing he did to entertain us during at-home orders, during stay-at-home orders, than to see someone else do it. While I love the sentiment, I tuned in because it was him. And I'll read from at Anthony underscore CRRN because it was a similar a similar quote. They were, they were all very similar. Uh, he writes, "Part of what makes it so great and successful is John Krasinski." Um, again, a lot of people shared this notion. I agree with it completely. He just has the the personality, the demeanor. You know, we love Jim and we love John Krasinski, we love Emily Blunt. They just come across as this amazing team couple. It just feels very it feels very genuine with them. It's going to feel odd, generic and awkward with anybody else at the helm. So, you know, I don't know, it seems like the resounding answer from everyone is I'd rather it be on the shelf and that we mm. remember this as the great thing it was as opposed to I don't know, trying to get behind it in this different sort of way. I mean, I don't know. There was an authenticity to it of shooting it in yeah. his house with the artwork that his kids made and and with him. If you turn this into a thing, it loses all of that. So
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I watched a clip this morning of Jimmy Fallon doing his at-home uh, show interviewing uh henry winkler and just talking about his career and, and some things and henry flat out told him he's like i kind of hope wish you would keep doing the show from home like even after all of this he was like yeah. you know there's just something so natural to see you interacting with your kids and like you know they're part of the show and you know, i guess jimmy's been using them to you know within the context of the interviews and then some some bits and stuff and you know henry was just saying like you know it's it's just kind of refreshing we get to see you you know in this in this position you're really getting to see what you have to work with right when you don't have the money behind you and that's sort of why i was kind of excited about the last couple of snl episodes because they're at home and you got to figure out how to make good comedy with what you have around you or what you can source quickly so there's something to be said for that i mean to play devil's advocate you know Yes, I, I it totally makes sense. You know, if you develop a product, you want to sell it, and you know, you move on. You start a company, and somebody makes a bid, and then you can wash your hands and move on. Um, but to play devil's advocate, uh, it just is it the same show? I don't know that them picking it up, and you know, it's like that old it's like the Hollywood thing. It's like, yeah, the script you sold to, you know, whatever company and gets made into a movie and it's nowhere near the same script that you wrote, you know what I mean? It's, it's in name only sort of thing. So what happens? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be really interesting. I don't have the same connection that everybody has to this, but I definitely can see where that hurt and confusion would be in something like this. So, um, you know, it's also you. It's traditional, right? Big company comes in and takes over the mom and pop, and it's like
0: if John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are mom and pop. <laughs> right (laughs) Right. now no and I and I absolutely agree and I think that you know it's funny because you know I I think it is refreshing to see these and we did a we did a bit on a a previous episode where we sort of ranked the late night host guys Mm -hmm. it's it's cool to see Conan at home it adds an element there's an authenticity to it there's you know, almost a vulnerability to it. It takes these these studio people and sort of sticks them where we are. We can relate to them. We can see ourselves more in them, and that's yeah. refreshing, right? The only difference is there's a precedence for what the show really looks like. So when mm-hmm. The Tonight Show, when The Late Show, and, and all these shows go back to in-studio— It's not like this at-home thing went big. It's it just went back to normal, and so I don't think that's going to be jarring. This was born of the quarantine. This was born of stay-at-home, and and it was it was unique. It's a it's a flash in the pan, you know, and you know, I mean, it made them nothing, and and I get that. And so if you if someone wants it and you can sell it, and you're never going to do it again anyway. Sure. You know, why not? It's and I, and I think that's just it. People need to mourn the loss that was already coming and mm-hmm. and just accept this new thing for what it's going to be or not. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. you're not going to hurt John Krasinski's feelings if you don't watch it again. You know, he's right. staying on as an executive producer, but it's, you know, right. whatever. Um And just, you know, enjoy it for what it was and, and let it be. But, you know, again, I can, I, I totally get it it's like it was just this really great thing that that it almost felt like we all did it together because we were all in it together and now it's and now it's a different now it's a show and now it's a cbs thing and it's i don't know i get it it feels a little dirty but i don't know just remember you were never gonna see it again anyway so yeah there you go no and and if it's on cbs all access you're still never gonna see it like (laughs) Because unless you're watching Picard or whatever, you don't have that. I'm
1: still mad about, because they took uh, the new Twilight Zone too, right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it went there from from the start. Ah. That was the only thing I was curious about, Jordan Peele's new Twilight
1: Zone. I I might still do it one day. I feel like it died because it was on CBS All Access and I never heard anything more about it.
0: Of course, (laughs) because, dude, they're completely retooling it over the summer. Right? Yeah. Like, already, HBO Max, Peacock, everyone has, like, epic pre- Disney+. Plus. People were signing up months in advance. Like, CBS yep. All Access can't beg people to come. Just, <laughs> I mean, who cares? No one cares. <laughs> so, and what you'll do is you do the seven-day free trial, you binge-watch The Twilight Zone, and then you never think about it again. Exactly. <laughs> like, so. Yep. All right. Um... Okay, so that brings a close to the news. Thank you all for hanging in. Next segment, we are going to talk about errors and omissions from last week. We, I only have one thing, and that is that last week we talked about the film 1917, and I had the wrong budget numbers in, left over from For Love of the Game, and Tim was in shock at how little <laughs> this movie made. And I, and I promised that on the next episode I would give you guys the right numbers. Here they are. For those, I know you've lost a lot of sleep over this. Tim and the um, listening audience, like, yep. I apologize.
1: I should have texted you. This probably explains why I said it had such a horrible off week. I just <laughs> <was> too,
0: <laughs> it, too upset by this. It wasn't week one hundred of quarantine. It was. It was no. the fact that you had the wrong numbers. Okay, <laughs> nineteen seventeen. The budget was about ninety five million, and the worldwide gross was three hundred and sixty eight million dollars. So a massive success. Tim, you were comparing this to the budget from *For right. Love of the Game*, so so made this movie a World War One epic for ninety five million, and you made *For Love of the Game* a contemporary film about a fake baseball player, uh, you know, for a budget of somewhere between fifty and eighty million. Pretty staggering difference between these two. Right. Um, right. Just a shout out to me. I estimated, like my thought was, that the worldwide gross for 1917 was over 350 million, which it was 368, and yep. I said that I guess the budget was somewhere uh, between 100 to 150 million. It was 95 million, so pretty, pretty good on my part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. clock is right twice a day.
0: It sure is. <laughs> ding ding. Um. Okay. So moving on, the next section, what you all came for. Some reviews. What yeah. are we watching, Tim?
1: Um,. So I think actually we're kind of synced up here a little bit and we're watching sort of the same <laughs> stuff. So I think I'm going to defer to you so we can talk a little bit, uh, just kind of maybe gush over um, at least one of these for sure. Um, so I'm going to go actually with something that I'm excited to watch um, rather than something I am watching. History has been pushing their grant special, uh, Ulysses S grant special starting tomorrow.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Apparently this is a follow, not a follow up, but it's in that same vein of uh, the Washington, miniseries that they did. I think it might have been on last 4th of July, maybe? Maybe Labor Day. I feel like it was sometime last summer. Maybe it was President's Day. I don't remember. You know, this kind of hits into my wheelhouse. We've talked about this, you know, kind of previously with history stuff. I, just, I love Civil War stuff. I work at a, uh, at a Civil War site, um, you know, working at Ford's Theater. So uh, I think this is going to be awesome. Um, Ulysses S. Grant was kind of one of my heroes of the Civil War. You know, he's kind of like the big guy who kind of cleaned everything up um for the north and, and took care of business not such a great president at all but huh, right um I, I think the other angle to this is too is like i'm sort of interested and excited to have something to watch that i can't straight binge <laughs> for a change yeah um so i think it's over a three night period um so you know there is going to be cliffhangers in the true sense because everybody knows what happens but you know it's going to be something <laughs> where <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> Uh, he wins the civil war did not see that coming um but you know it's, it's something different um but uh, in a know, twist
0: I, he wins it for the west
1: blah. it's actually not too wrong uh, but you know it, there's it's, it's something different um you know change it up a little bit but i think a lot of us um uh, my wife included is kind of hitting that point now where you're like sort of getting bored of tv so i could mm. I'm, I'm having trouble making choices Um, for myself so if i can you know have something to look forward to i think that's going to be a a welcome reprieve and unfortunately y'all we're going to have to kind of settle into that for a little bit because there's not going to be a lot of new content coming so i was looking
0: ahead as like oh what's releasing in the next couple weeks and the answer is nothing nothing you know yeah that's really interesting it's been a long time since i've like gotten into history channel stuff and whatever but they they've got some good product man
1: yeah so i think i'll I'll give this a shot tomorrow night and hopefully in a couple weeks we'll follow up and see if it was worth our time
0: (laughs) nice okay so jumping into me i am not bored yet and i'll watch pretty much anything let's see what have i been watching i I told you about this i think maybe a week or so ago tim the first one is on prime video i've been watching a show called upload so season one came out i think it's a 10 episodes season Mm -hmm. i want to say so the show is actually it's created by greg daniels which we have a contentious relationship between me and our listeners about greg (laughs) daniels content he he created the office and parks and rec guys i like the office settle down uh i just like (laughs) parks and rec better and uh you know what this is gonna be this is a big year for greg daniels because hot on the heels of upload on netflix he's also the creator of the upcoming space force with steve carell so, talking about things we're excited to see, we will definitely be chatting about space force in two weeks. Um, and I
1: guarantee this is going to be more interesting than our United States space force. So, <laughs> it's you know. so
0: insane. Now, this apparently I read. I mean, we're not talking about space force yet, but this was in the works before all that lunacy. And, and then after that came out, they were like, oh, well, we have to make it. So actually it was awesome. Steve Carell, they approached Steve Carell, I think, and he's like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And he reached out to Greg Daniels and apparently Greg Daniels was like 100% I do. So I know I'm pretty, pretty excited. Okay, so back to Upload. Again, you can watch it on Prime Video. It stars Robbie Amell, as uh, Nathan Brown, Andy Allo as Nora Anthony. Andy Allo, I wanna say she was in Pitch Perfect 3. I didn't, rec- mm. like I recognized her roughly and I had to look it up and then when I saw Pitch Perfect 3 I was like, oh yeah, that's her. But I don't really know her for much else. Uh, Robbie Amell, you will absolutely recognize when you see him. And Allegra Edwards as Ingrid Kahnerman. So, So r- rough rundown is Nathan is a coder. And he's building—so this is is a world, not too distant future, where when you are dying and know you're dying or you're not going to make it, you have the option to upload your consciousness, upload your memories, everything, into a virtual heaven, right? And there's several to choose from. I think it's hilarious. The big one is called Horizon and you know so and just the language of it it's it's all very cell phone they have like data plans like the whole nine there's multiple heavens you can upload your consciousness into it into essentially an avatar looks just like you you can interact with this world eat drink and you can interact still with the living world so you can make phone calls and facetime and do all these things with the people you've left behind and just keep living your life right so Uh, Robbie Amell is, again, Nathan, is dating Ingrid, and Ingrid is just a ball of trash, and he he hates her, the whole thing. Now, he's a coder, and what he's been developing has actually been like a freeware heaven, so all the heavens Mm -hmm. cost money. You have to have these plans, and, and you pay for them, and so Ingrid's family is uber wealthy, and so she has a plan with Horizon to get into this this heaven of theirs. Robbie Amell gets in a quote unquote car accident and mm-hmm. is quote unquote dying. He has quote a unquote. punctured lung, and they're saying he may not make it. So she talks him into getting uploaded so that they can be together forever, but she's flitting the bill. And Because he has no money. And so into Horizons Heaven he goes, and that's where it all begins. So he meets, you have like these customer service agents that play essentially angels, and they sort of talk you through assimilating into your new life, and so on and so forth. And there's also, now... The show gets pretty complex after that. There's a lot yeah. of threads, and, and not in a bad way. No. There's just a lot of threads you're following at the same time. And and I feel like I would do the show a disservice by like really diving in. I'll say this. It is absolutely worth a watch. It's not laugh out loud funny, but it's funny, and it's witty, and it's clever. And it... And it ends up having a genuine story to tell. There's mystery. Like I said, in a world where there are these pay-as-you-go heavens, he's building a freeware heaven. So, was he dying? Was this an accident? He's meeting new people and sort of being, you know, finding himself interested, so obviously... What's her face? Nora ends up becoming a new love interest, right? Mm-hmm. As a contrast to Ingrid, she's much more down to earth, more on his level, a really good person. He's obviously falling for her. But there's this, now there's this love triangle with a very interesting dynamic where his whole existence is in Ingrid's hands. She can yep. p- delete his his consciousness at any time, stop paying the bill, whatever the situation is. So you're kind of following that triangle. And so it is it's a really surprisingly well done show one of the better originals that I've seen. And I I mean, I highly recommend it again. I don't want to spoil. We don't want to spoil these and these episodes, these reviews. We want you guys to go watch it and let us know what you think. Let's have a dialogue about it. But it's uh yeah, I don't know, man. That's my two cents. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I watched it on, on your recommendation and you know, you go like the three episode rule, which, you know, into this is you know a good chunk of it it's It's a third third, yeah you know like so um it is it is goofy in a really good way that (laughs) works for the run of the show it does the best thing i can describe is It's it has that technological feel of a Black Mirror episode Mm. where all of all of this ideas are sort of just out of reach of where we are in our current technological state in the world. But you
0: can see us heading there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like there are very like you see the road like this is for no pun intended, like this stuff's over the horizon. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, is, it is like, okay, we could seriously kind of do this. We could all, you know, be uploaded to a hard drive somewhere. And, you know, we're all on a, th- uh, you know, a thumb drive and um, can be popped in and out of different places if we want to be. Right. Whereas, you know, Black Mirror takes that and looks at the, you know, savagely scary, dark side of it. This is a much lighter approach to that, but does have that kind of creepy mystery intrigue kind of floated into it. And it works really well. And it's all super goofy about it the entire time. And it's just fun. I think you said you binged it all in one day. Uh, Oh, I watched it in a day. Yeah. I found myself kind of parsing it out because I knew it was only 10 and I just, I liked it so much. that I was like, I just want to watch it in bits and pieces. And I think yeah. they're all short. I think they're only like 30 minutes, Yeah,
0: 20 something, 30 minutes.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's so goofy there. Um, there's a couple of actors you'll recognize that pop up. William Davis from his biggest role. Probably most people know him from the X-Files as the smoking man. The smoking he pops man, up yeah. as this sort of Trump kind of ridiculous billionaire man who's in Horizon he's just kind of ridiculous but it's kind of cool to see him Um, I thought he was old in the X-Files and you see him now and he's living his best life eating um, some crazy meals but it's just it is (laughs) that (laughs) that
0: part kills me it's so
1: great you know I love my steaks rare (laughs) by rare I mean African white rhino. (laughs) it's so ridiculous it's it's uh, it's so great and one of my favorite things is um a lot of uh, the the hotel staff the concierge staff that run this universe this horizons afterlife are all played by the same guy so all (laughs) the hotel staff are played by this one guy he's just the ai Yeah, Yeah, he's the AI that that is the waiter and the gardener and the security. And it's just goofy. And it's it's fun. Um, You know, it gets like you said, it gets a little complex, but not in a bad way. It's just, it's so it just does really well with what it has Going for it, and now I'm excited to see more of it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm
0: super excited for season two of this. It it definitely leaves off at the cliffhanger, and yeah. and on top oh, yeah. of it, and on top of everything, like you know, in a way that Greg Daniels does really well in Parks and Rec, there is a supporting cast of characters in this world that you also follow little tangential sort of storylines and whatnot. And they're equally interesting and clever and funny and thought out. And and even like the little details, like the there's people who were uploaded and the picture that they built their avatar from, they, obviously they were old, like maybe they died in 2018, but they were a hundred years old. They didn't want to look like that in heaven. So they gave them a picture of them in like 1920. And so they're black and white in, in heaven and, and just on and on. And it's like, there's just these little nuggets that keeps every inch or every episode interesting, even as you're watching the main through lines. It's truly like, you, you can absolutely see Greg Daniels' fingerprint in this, but it's also very different from, it's not cringy comedy, and it's not laugh out loud slapstick type comedy, yeah. like Parks and Rec in the office. It's different, and but uh, it's amazing. I-, I think it's really well done, and especially you for see- free.
1: You want to see a lot of the supporting cast, too, because they're just kind of fun. Um, I just the the private investigator that kind of shows up. She's a part time private. eye, Sunday school teacher. She's
0: no she's Nathan's like aunt or cousin. And but she's she says not at, one at point, all. She's
1: like, I'm like a part. She's like, I'm a part-time private investigator, but I'm a full-time school teacher, or something like that. Right. It's it's. She was utterly ridiculous, and I loved every minute that she was on screen. It's um, so true. So it's just, you're absolutely right. You see all of these supporting characters, whether it's the AI um, or or Davis or these other characters. Um, the boss that works for the call center that the angels work for is weird and. <laughs> hilarious too like you just want to see more of these other people Um, she's got a little
0: michael scott in her
1: yeah like a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. so it's it's fun it's a short investment you know we're talking five total hours maybe um so Mm -hmm. it's less
0: than the snyder cut yeah right (laughs) um no yeah I, I agree completely just watch it it's good and, and i think i think you'll like it i would love to hear what you guys think um so absolutely yeah. share your thoughts on that one we could talk about it a little bit more in the next uh the next rewind episode so the other thing i watched was the wrong missy which is the new happy madison film production for netflix starring david spade as tim morris it has lauren lapkiss as missy you'll 100 recognize her when you see her she actually has a really great podcast about um like raised by tv or the tv that raised me or something like that and it's all like okay. old school like 90s shows and, and what like they interviewed writer strong at one point like it's just it's awesome like if you want like a awesome flashback yeah uh, it's it's worth it so lauren lapkiss she plays missy Uh, Nick Swordsden plays Tim's buddy, Nate. Uh, You'll see Sarah Chalk as a throwback from Scrubs. She plays uh, Tim Morris's ex-fiance, Julia. And Molly Sims comes out of nowhere and plays Melissa slash Missy. So the premise of this one is David Spade as Tim gets set up on a blind date with Lauren Lapkus Missy. And that date is atrocious missy is a train wreck he can't stand her he (laughs) bails out of that in hilarious fashion i'm like laughing thinking about it if you can't the movie's good (laughs) the movie's surprisingly good so he bails out of that date and months later meets melissa Played by Molly Sims she's gorgeous they literally have everything in common like reading the same book they set it up like these are the soulmates right and so Nate his buddy who's the HR rep at his company they do an annual like they just got bought out and they're doing this big retreat in Hawaii or something like that and Nate says you should invite Melissa now they're both they both go by Missy right the wrong Missy and so they're in the phone as that so he texts Melissa to invite her, but texts Missy on accident. She's all for it, blah, blah, blah. They meet on the plane and dun-da-da-da, it's the wrong Missy. <laughs> and dude, it's, I'm just thinking about the stuff that happens. It is so intense. Um. So she ends up going to Hawaii now there's a new boss because they just got bought out this whole there's a lot riding on this trip Mm -hmm. and she is a savage monster beast like super un-pc loud drinking all the time just making a scene everywhere she goes he is very quiet reserved there's a side plot that is negligible where sarah chalk plays his ex-fiance and she's now engaged to one of his co-workers so she's also on the trip but that never really even comes into play at all like you don't even need it i mean it comes into play a little bit but it it's yeah. doesn't matter and so the story continues on he's stuck with this woman for days trying to get the one he intended to have there but as i'm sure you know you can see it in the trailer or whatever finds himself you know, maybe falling for her, you know, she compliments, she's the opposite. So what he thought he hated maybe ends up being what he loves the most. Again, I'm not going to spoil too much, but <laughs> I will say it's like the David spade assance. Like Netflix has been the best thing to happen to David Spade since Chris Farley. <laughs> like- Interesting. It is- you know he. They made Tommy Boy. It was amazing. He was perfection. He made garbage pale after that. He was pretty good on TV. Like you know, he was good in Just Shoot Me. He was good in um, Rules of Engagement. But movie wise, he has struggled.
1: Like so, I will say, I watched Joe Dirt.
0: Oh, it does not hold up religiously did you but it doesn't hold up for me like i mean i laugh he it got the poo on me that made me that almost killed me but that's like the one the one part um but then come netflix and he's awesome in the do-over i thought that movie was great Mm. Mm -hmm. he's really good in father of the year and actually this this one's directed by the same director as father of the year uh, tyler spindell and that movie was excellent. He was great in that. And then this one hits. Is it a masterpiece? No. Is it the greatest comedy ever made? No. But it's it's fun. It's an easy watch. It's entertaining. Um, it's not different than anything else. But, you know, you're looking for something easy and fun to do. You want to have a couple laughs and just do it for free on Netflix. The Wrong Missy. I highly recommend it.
1: Well, I think it's interesting, too, if what you go back towards something that we've said previously, I think you've mentioned it, is that this idea that making movies is hard, um, that we talked about that that mm. um, on the last episode, It you can just make a movie. And, you know, writing a movie is right, only... The making movies it, isn't hard. Yeah. yeah it, you know, and with this advent of original content that so many streaming services or want to pick up that avenue is open to a lot more people to just make something just write something and you have more options than just optioning it to a big studio right you know you can you get get stuff on netflix that might not have been made otherwise and maybe that jump starts a career or something it's you know just go make something just go write something do you have so many more options i think now and in the future to get some of this stuff out so why not yeah
0: yeah, I and mean, it's not like this is like a nobody making this. I mean, it is right. Adam right. Sandler's production company and and all that, but absolutely. And 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 it's just the it's just the idea, like not I think exactly what you're saying. Not everything has to break the mold. Not right. everything has to be game changing. This right. is just fun. If you're looking yep. for some fun and you've got 90 minutes that you want to kill, The Wrong Missy is a perfect place to kill those 90 minutes. I don't, I mean, I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't mad at it. It's free. Well, for the cost of what you're already paying for Netflix. And uh, it was just enjoyable. So, again, I recommend it. Um, Upload Prime Video, The Wrong Missy, Netflix. Give them a watch. Tell us what you think. Um... The last thing before we wrap up, I just wanted to, to give Tim a shout. So, I've been watching Prop Culture on your recommendation, sir. Yeah. And I can't stop watching. The only one the only one I haven't watched... What's the last one? The oh, Muppet. The Muppet Movie. I haven't seen that one yet. Do it. Oh, uh, hands down. I'm not huge on The Muppet Movie, but I love Jim Henson. I've, I watched countless documentaries on like how he built labyrinth creatures and all this other stuff i am how he you know perfected hiding the seam of his muppets like just all of it so i am fully down to watch it i just that's the only one i haven't gotten to yet
1: i'm right there with you um i think i've seen the muppet movie maybe once it doesn't hold a spot in my heart the way that it does with a lot of people especially our age and a little older um but this episode is the perfect bookend to this series the way that it opened with the mary poppins and then to this one because it's sort of in that realm where they reused a lot of stuff through different productions and you know it, they things got scrapped and changed and you know they talk about uh, losing a lot of this stuff like he meets with jim henson's son and he's like we literally have nothing from this film right. nothing um, cause it just wasn't something that they did and they weren't huge, necessarily huge budget. This is the, the Muppet movie was the only Muppet movie that Jim Henson made in Hollywood. That's it. That was the only one he made in Hollywood. Oh, so, I know
0: that.
1: yeah, so it's really, uh, there's not a lot to go on, but this show is fantastic. Some of the more recent movies are not that as interesting, um, You know, unless you have a particular love for Pirates of the Caribbean or Narnia, then you'll find these things a little bit more interesting um, than maybe some of the older ones. Uh, the The older ones are just so fascinating to me because, again, we're talking about movies that relied so much heavier on practical effects and things like that. So it just it's it's great to see this stuff. But the big win for the series is watching the actors connect with these props and it's, things that they... It's emotional for all of us. Absolutely. Them. Yeah. I, I think people forget that, you know... Any sort of craftsman gets a relationship with their tools, right? And you play—you know—you are an actor. You embody this character, and you you use this tool, this prop, or this costume for months on end, and then you never see it again. And it represents a season of your life. If you're a kid, or um, you know, the Mary Poppins one, uh, they talked to the costume designer, and at the time of the movie, he was married to Julie Andrews, and they, and they had, had a kid little together. girl. Yeah, and they have you know they're divorced now and you know for him there's just so many other layers to this so there's a human element in this in this show that just goes beyond the actual props that we're talking about it's it's amazing uh, it's so well done
0: no i agree completely this it's just it's amazing content it's fascinating i even was riveted by the more modern movies mm-hmm. not so much like yeah it's not like it's rare stuff they still yeah. have it but they've they've repurposed some of it in really cool ways there's little stories behind it. Like mm-hmm. if you're into just that behind the scenes look, conversation whatever, you get that in every episode. You know, yep. just seeing a random guy in jersey with this massive Narnia collection, like why? How did you get this? It's it's awesome. It's just awesome to watch. Um yep. highly highly recommend it. So, uh one more quick rundown because you guys have asked us to do it. We talked about upload with Prime Video. It's a 10 episode mm series super easy watch absolutely highly recommend uh i'll give them ratings i give it a seven out of ten i think it's really good um makes sense the wrong missy it's a it's david spade on netflix it's a movie about 90 minutes super easy watch funny whatever it's it's great i give that one a six and a half it's it's good it's a it's a bit above average you're not going to be upset that you watched it and then lastly is Prop Culture on Disney Plus. Um, again, easy watch. I think like a six, eight episode series, about 20, yeah. 30 minutes each one. And yep. um, I mean, that one, I, do I give it an eight. It's it's so yeah. fascinating. Being like a movie fan, if you love movies at all, it's gonna speak to you in, yep. in, in unexpected ways. It's, it's a great watch. All right, well, we didn't really have any, uh, we read the listener comments for, yep. Uh, the section earlier about SGN. Um, But we didn't really have anything else this week. So I think that brings us to the end of our show. Um, Before we sign out, next episode is going to be our breakdown analysis, whatever, of the 1996 hit, comedy hit, The Birdcage. Hands down. Spoiler alert, guys. My all-time favorite movie. So get ready for another gush fest from me.
1: I mean, this is an all-star cast with some hands-down amazing comedic performances. Um, It just—it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And
0: best of all, you can watch it right now for free on Amazon Prime Video. So uh, before the next episode, go check out The Birdcage. If you've seen it before, watch it again. Trust me, you're gonna wanna. And uh, if you've never seen it, shame on you, and you're welcome, because I'm about to change your life. Let's see what else. Other than that, shoot us comments, let us know what you think. The new format, any of the shows we talked about, any of the news stories we talked about, anything we didn't cover that you want us to talk about next time. We want it all. Feed us. I'm like the I'm like the fly trap from Little Shop. Feed me. <laughs> um, you know that that's why we do it. We we love chatting with you guys and hearing what you think. So you can get us on Instagram at Pause Reviews on Twitter at Pause Reviews do not comment on facebook for now facebook is being a total douche and uh oh dude it's completely a mess so i can post some stuff on there as long as there's no pictures or anything you guys will be able to see that but i can't see your comments so if you guys don't mind hop over to instagram or twitter follow us there and comment there i'm gonna post everything there it's gonna be great no big deal just until facebook gets everything sorted out other than that Thank
1: you all so much, Tim. Any last things? Am I forgetting anything? Yeah, no, I think you're good. Give us some some new stuff to watch. What else? Uh, what else can we tackle? Love some suggestions. Absolutely. All right. As always, I'm your boy Frank. This
0: is Tim. And we'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Peace.